Hello and welcome to the Performance Car Podcast by Motor Magazine. My name's Dylan Campbell. And I'm Scott Newman. Today we're in a Falcon XR8 Sprint. This car on the cover of our magazine, not this exact car, but a Falcon XR8 Sprint. This is uh, part two of our XR8 Sprint podcast. We're joined today by the owner, Norm. This is his personal car. Hey uh, today we're discussing uh, the ownership experience and why Norm is so passionate about Falcons. Absolutely. So. Let's start with this car, Norm. Um, this isn't the only Falcon you have. You are a bit of a Falcon fan, a bit of a Ford do, fan going yeah. way back. So let's tell us a little bit about your Ford experience, what the Falcon means to you, why you've been such a sort of diehard for the brand and why you eventually came to buy one of the very last. Yeah, look, um, grew up in a family, in a, in a Ford family. Um, our first family car was a, an XY. Um, V8 four-speed Falcon. Dad got that. Dad was a car guy, was he? Dad was, look, he loved motor racing and um, loved his Fords and that. And We grew up watching the Australian Touring Car Championship together and went to Sandown a lot. And, um, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was a family thing. Dad and I would watch the car together and take it out driving and he'd go through the bottle shop and always have to do a bit of a bit of a squeal out of the driveway and <laughs> from the bottle shop but yeah it was just a family thing I got like a cool dad yeah it was really good like that was dad's son bonding time so you just we grew up and got an XD S-Pack Falcon was our next family car after that and yeah just loved the car my first Falcon at 18 was a XC Falcon GS um, V8 4 speed as well so Lovely. at 18 that was the dream car and yeah XC's were really popular back in the mid 80s and yeah, from that point onwards, just had XB GTs, XYs, lots of AUs, FGs, BAs, BFs, um, and I got my toy AU Ute as well at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, mighty AU. So what came to? When did you first hear about the Sprint? What was the decision to go? Hey, I need to get myself one of these last sort of hero models. Yeah, for me it was um, look last ever Falcon, which was the probably an emotive decision to, to buy one. I think also, too, it ticked so many boxes for me with my um, maturing tastes, I guess. It wasn't, look, I love the FPV brand and love uh, the GT brand itself, but um, I always thought, I love the um, understated styling and I love C63s and, and that style of Euro, you know, the Velvet Sledgehammer, understated but overpowered kind of car. and. I kind of was stargazing about what kind of Falcon I'd have if it was the last one ever, and it was like a, you know, a GTE style Falcon or a GAD or something like that. And and then when the Sprint came along, and it was pretty much exactly how I would have done a car as my last Falcon. I just had to have one. It's interesting because you say that because they made a very conscious decision. The Sprint guys, we had Justin Capiccioni on our last podcast, but. They made a very conscious decision whether to go sort of boy racer wings and flares or whatever, but then they looked at what people were actually doing to their Falcons, their fans, and they were going, you know, despoilering them, going yeah. a bit sleeper. So I think they really tapped into the market of guys like yourself that want yeah. that performance but don't want to necessarily have a V8 supercar lookalike. Yeah, look, I mean, there's two, two ways to go, but for me anyway, it was, it was just a no-brainer. The car just ticks all the boxes in terms of styling and the big brake package obviously Miami under the bonnet it um, you know, is 
is a V8 lover as well, and I just love this engine. It's just an amazing engine. Is this your first Miami, or you'd have yeah, a, yep. it's, it is my first Miami, and I just you know, such a shame that the that the engine has to stop with this car. It's yeah. it just hasn't seen anywhere near its potential, in my opinion, and I just would love to have seen it exist in a Mustang. Or in a Mustang would yeah. be perfect. Yeah, it would be a great Mustang engine. Um, what I was thinking the other night actually that. This is a pure coincidence, but both DC and I are from Falcon families as well. Dylan, you want to talk a little bit about your history with the Falcon? Your old man had one of the great Falcons. Yeah, it's funny that um, you know we're all sort of guided by the uh, purchasing decisions of our our <laughs> parents. Um, my old man had a um, an EL XR8, and then had an AU XR8 with the biplane rear wing. If anybody can remember that little yeah, black wing on the, the double one. Um, and then substantially upgraded to a, uh, a T3 T50 with the 5.6 litre stroked Windsor engine. Um, 250 kilowatts was a was a lot back in the early 2000s. Uh, not a huge amount these days, but particularly compared to the mighty Sprint here. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely come from a Falcon family and very fond of of cars like this. Um, so I can absolutely empathise with uh, with Norm for sure. Absolutely, I'm similar. Like you know, my it's not something that's necessarily a conscious decision because my you know, my dad wasn't a huge car guy or anything, but, uh, you know, he, my brother's first car was like an XD or an XE. We had an XE wagon, I think, growing up. And then I remember when my dad bought one of those early 90s Fairlanes. What were they called? N something? I don't oh, remember. But they had a digital dash and everything. And when I was like 10, that was the coolest thing in the world. And um, I learned to drive in my formative years in an EL, an EL Sapphire and got away with many things that I probably shouldn't have done in that car. Um, it's amazing what you used to be able to get away with. Yeah, it, it certainly learnt a bit about um, sudden onset oversteer in that car, <laughs> in the wet. <laughs> so there was a few moments where, I don't know, probably youthful reactions saved me. And then my brother got an XR6, an ED XR6 wagon. Like, it's just been, it's one of those things, like, we haven't necessarily been a typical Ford family. But I guess that speaks to the strength of the Falcon is if you wanted a dependable, reliable, practical car it's kind of you got that or a Commodore like you went one way yeah. or the other which has sort of changed now sadly but I think we're all we're all um, you know, all our families have spoken to that so how do you feel especially as a Falcon fan we're 12 months on now from the Falcon and you talk with your mates who are also in the yeah. in the game so what's the sort of vibe like it's so imagine you're still still sad about it really yeah look it's it, it's a tough one because um, look Everyone loves and my circle of friends, car friends, and people on the forums, and and that everyone still loves Falcon and loves what it represents. And it's funny now that it's gone, gone that people start to think it becomes a bit hard to try and get your head around where to go from here because um, that whole um, Falcon, that whole large sedan wagon style of vehicle, um, it's so versatile. And you know, we look at our. Um, with the Mustang now, it's a great performance offering. It's great for two people, but for me, with two kids, and Ashley and Kayla wanted me to say hi, so um, <laughs> I had to mention them. Um, I, I um, for, for me, I couldn't make a Mustang work for me personally because I need, I want them to have you know room in the back to get in and out of the car and that. So um, so now it's, it's it's hard because look, I love Mustang, and don't get me wrong, I'd love to have a Mustang as well, but. Um, um, well, look, so it's interesting it's point in that you and a lot of guys like you, uh, you see them on the forums and whatever they, and obviously Holden fans will be 
having a similar situation in a you know six months, twelve months time. Uh, there's nothing. Obviously, large car sales diminished massively, but there are still thousands and thousands of people out there that are buying V8 Commodores, V8 Falcons. Yeah. That from you can talk to that point. There's nothing necessarily out there that really ticks your boxes necessarily. Is there anything no. out there that really gets you excited? Um, honestly, the, the car that gets me most excited at the moment is the C43. But I mean, still, that's a hundred grand. It's double. It's yeah, double, I know. It's double a V8 Falcon or Commodore. Um, the Stinger. Mm-hmm. That will be very interesting where that goes as a car, and you know, like that's ticks all the boxes in terms of functionality and practicality. Do you think the blue oval people will will go for that similar mechanical offering, or is it just it doesn't have a forward badge? Not interested. Uh, look, there'll be elements of both. I mean, I'd ideally love to to see. Like, I, I wish that the Mondeo Sport was was an option to come here with the all wheel drive and the bigger motor and that. And I'd still. You know, if they brought out a decent Mondeo or Fusion or Mondo, whichever way they want to go with name, that mid-CD class vehicle that was all-wheel drive and, you know, 250, 260 kilowatts, something like that, like, I'd look very seriously at that because I'd love to stay in, you know, like, I'm a, I'm a die-hard Ford person, so my first shopping preference would be a Ford. Um, but beyond the four-door sedan thing, it's it, it gets hard. And, like, um, even, like, a C63... S Estate, what a cool car that is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a bit of a different price tag, isn't it? It <laughs> is, but it's yeah. like I just love that whole the, the the sedan wagon functionality with all that performance. It's like it does does so many things. Um, what have been some of your favourite Falcons over the uh, over the years? What have been some of the things that have really connected with you? What were you know if you had if you got the lottery win and you can build your blue oval garage? What have been some of the models over the years that have really ticked your boxes? Well, look. Probably the iconic one's the Phase 3, GDHA Phase 3, mm-hmm. just because of what it represented. It was the pinnacle of the homologation specials for Ford. Um, lucky enough, my best mate Chris has got one, and it's a just a fantastic car. And you driven it? Yep. yep. And what's your, give, us a, give us a taste, give because it, it's a rare opportunity for most people. What's, yeah, a, what's a Phase 3 like to drive? Yeah, it's rough, and it makes all the right noises. And people talk about... You know, they went great in a straight line and they were terrible everywhere else. Before their time, they were a very, very good car. And, you know, they stopped and for what they were relative to their time, they would, and you'll be surprised, they actually do steer okay. Like, they're not, they're not the bucket of bolts that people make them out to be. They do actually point and steer very, very well for what they are. And you wouldn't want to do a lap time in one. No, <laughs> no. Um, you get spoilt now. You drive this. Yeah. I mean, you could punt this around with your eyes closed and go faster and probably around sand down than in a phase three. But you know, like, I try to judge things relative to the time that they were around rather than mm-hmm. like it's pointless me saying what's it like compared to a sprint because it's chalk and cheese. But this is 2016 and GDHA phase three is 1971. So, so have there been any other models that have really ticked your boxes over the years? Um, everyone's got different tastes. Yeah, look, I, I can't honestly say there's been other models that have really grabbed me. I, XB GT was a great car, and that, you know, once again, very nice car, and that was a refinement. XD, I mean, there was a lot of attachment to XD and XE because of Dick Johnson and mm-hmm. the um, Group C Racing, so they had an affinity with that. Um, since then, you know, my FG was a great XR6, that was a great car. And that was really a very, very nice car to own. The BA XR8, 
everyone much maligns the 5.4, but I loved that car. Like it was, it had presence. It had, you know, it went pretty well. Um, never had any issues with it. It was a great car. So I can't honestly say I've had bad experiences with any of my Falcons. So that's why it's really hard trying to look forward from that. It's how do you replace that kind of a vehicle? So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I'm glad I got this, you know, for four years. But you know, you want to remain relative and and um, progressive as well. So in four years' time, I have to make a decision. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, DC? What uh, what Falcon really tickles your fancy over the? If you could add one to your garage alongside the little 86, what would you... Uh... If I could add any Falcon in my garage, yeah, it, it, probably, it probably would be a, the AU3 T3 T50 yeah. because I, really in blueprint, um, yeah, I would have that car. Because it seems like we've come up, you know, a slightly different generation in that we came up through, I guess, the supercar era. Mm. So the EBs and sort yeah. of the EELs were our thing rather than the XYs and the uh, X, XCs, etc. like that. Well, so, I was a little baby when XY was around, yeah. so I'm not... <laughs> but yeah, like... Mid- Mid late seventies is probably when I can honestly remember motor racing yeah. the most. Probably Bathurst seventy seven was mm-hmm. is probably my first recollection of it. Yeah. Watching Moffat win in the in the, the one two Bathurst. So yeah, absolutely. XCs or XB GTs as XCs. Was it for me like the first memories were kind of like early John Bow sort of things. You know, yeah. 92, 93, 94, You know, I must have been what six or seven or something. I was sitting on the couch watching early Bathursts and um, things like that. So I guess those cars are sort of sort of resonate although I've had an eye on late FPVs lately yeah like an FG2 FPV like as a second hand car it looks really it's a really cool mm. thing so. yeah absolutely I think like there's some appeal and like an original BAGT as well do you reckon um, that'll be worth money um, certain models will be, I think, like like a BA GT. Yeah. Um, but I guess the easier one would be a GTF. Can you ever see an FPV GDF being worth whatever, like 150 grand, 200 grand? Mm, a, G- one, a GTF. Yeah. It, it is the final FPV model, but then it was made by Ford as well. So mm. it is kind of tricky to to know which ones are the, are the cars to to sort of like nab up now. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing with purchasing cars like that you just never you never really know and sometimes you're surprised yeah you want an au really well let's just talk about that <laughs> briefly what is behind while we're on the falcon podcast what do we think is behind the strange and bizarre cult rise of the au falcon <laughs> you know, you've just bought one yourself nor maybe you can speak to it did that play a part in your purchasing decision the fact that AUs are gone berserk i just think like it's a cool car it's going to be like one of those you know uh i think au will be was such that everyone just blamed it for everything but it's just going to be one of those cars it's just cool to own an AU I suppose it's so different because I mean what why it was so maligned and there's one just right over there yep um, you don't see many of those these days no uh, it was so maligned for the time but I suppose that's its point of difference now it is really? it's just something different because that's where I think Falcon will go now is people go look everyone's got everyone loves GTs and you turn up to a, a car show and there's all the lights beautiful GTs all yeah. concourse restored or over restored or um, however you want to look at them but well, that's um, the irony isn't it everyone's made fake GTs so then if you've got like a basic GS now or a Fairmont XY Fairmont or something you've probably got a really really rare car because a lot of them yeah. have been turned into hot rods yeah well that's right so it's, it's cool now to own something a little bit different absolutely um, I think the AU as well part of the theory has to be it was the un, like the unloved car yeah yeah exactly it was this really unpopular car for its for its styling mostly um, and its ergonomic quirks um we joked that Mercedes copied them with the, uh, well, the CLS. With the CLS, CLS yeah. CLS. And yeah. there was another car See? recently that looks like a 
AU Falcon as well. But I mean, it's funny that the AU Falcon's doing incredible things Facebook page, which is, I think has driven That's a lot of that. so funny, that If page. you haven't checked it out, go on Facebook, look at AU Falcon's doing incredible things. You're guaranteed to laugh. <laughs> and it started out as kind of irony, making fun of the poor AU Falcon. Yep. But the flip side of that is that AU Falcons can do incredible things. Yeah. Then they're, they're, you know, they're well built and they're tough and they're reliable and they're rugged. So it sort of extols its virtues at the same time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like people are talking about buying AU Falcons again with 250, 300,000 kilometres yeah. on the clock and not having really to do anything to them and they yeah. just keep going. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like Along with the barrow. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's actually turning into a legend just through its own... It's morphing into something that it never was. The internet has made the AU a legend. <laughs> yeah, who, would, who would have ever thought that? That's a cult car. <laughs> Back in the day. If you've got an AU out there, especially one with like that optional tray table that went over oh, the gear yeah. stick, let us know. Executive pack. Yeah, executive pack. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> AU Falcon Forte, you watch Champagne Colour. One day that car will be worth $100,000. Absolutely, yeah. Well, if you've got one, tuck it away in the shed now. So I guess, any final thoughts to wrap up on the Falcons? Um, you know, what do you... What do you? Well, I guess we'll talk about this sprint. Actually, what do you like, and is there anything you don't like about the sprint, Norm? You've had it now for I suppose what six months, twelve months. Yeah. Um, how have you found the experience? Is it what you expected? Um, yeah, well, it's everything. Look, it's done everything I wanted. Um, I've been realistic about expectations and stuff like that. And you can you can go on forever about trying to oh, I wish it had this or I wish it had that, and you know, look at this flu. Yeah, well, that's right. Like, you look at all the new cars now with everything in them, and, like, that's great, but it's just... I was realistic about it, and it, it, there's nothing about it that's disappointed me at all. Um, the power is just... I tell you now, you haven't lived until you've owned a Miami-powered Falcon, <laughs> or at least driven one significantly, because it is just something to behold, the, um, the performance of this engine. So that's been a real feature for me, is just how well these things go. First thing, we talked about that in the other podcast with Justin in that everyone gets fired up about, you know, performance times and magazines did this and I did this and old mate Bob did something else. But yeah. like you say, it doesn't really matter, does it? This, no. Whether this car is a 14 or a 12 or whatever, yeah. it's, stu- it's still a stupidly fast car. Exactly right. And like the difference between going super fast, like if you're chasing a time and stuff like that, it can be just millimetres of grip or whatever. You can... The difference between doing 4.6 seconds not to 100 or 5.1 is really just, it's almost splitting hairs. Although, if I'm right, you were the man who performance tested the sprint yes. for Falcon Forums and made us look extremely silly. Well, that wasn't my, wasn't my intention at all, but um, and to be fair to you guys, you obviously had probably your hands tied a bit behind your back with um, a slippery track that you were working with, that made it, made it hard for you. Thanks for that. Thanks and for being diplomatic. So no, it's true. It's, it's reality because, I mean, it, it is what it is. And I was lucky enough to have a whole day with both this, well, the Sprint 8 and the fantastic Sprint 6. So um, I had the opportunity to go backwards and forwards and just keep playing with stuff and learn the cars and that. So, yeah, I was lucky like that. And, you know, there was an advantage in being able to do that. But, yeah. Just to give some quick context, we've obviously struggled to ever match these sort of official figures of sprints and then... Norm borrowed the cars off uh, Ford for a review for the Falcon Forums website and managed to match Ford's claims. So we clearly need to employ him as a performance tester because he's better at it than us. So <laughs> uh, that, that stung, that hurt. But um, <laughs> did you ever think about the Sprint Sprint Six, or was it always the V8? Nah, it was always the V8. Yeah, 
look, it didn't matter which one was faster. Yeah. It was always about the V8 because I just wanted to have one last V8. Excellent. Okay. Well, any further thoughts, Dylan? Um, no, not really. I mean, the Fa- we all love the Falcon, no matter what it is. It's at the end of the day, it's it's uh, they go fast, they sound good, um, and to some extent, that's that's all that matters. And they're not they don't make them anymore either. So that's right. I think regardless of our professional responsibilities, and hopefully we are objective, and you know when we do a review and everything, we were both really really sad when the, the Falcon the end end of uh, the Falcon production happened and it sort of snuck up on us, and you realised that. You know, we're lucky we got to ring up and go, hey, can we book this car for a review or a test? And then suddenly it hit you. It's like, wow, we can't do that. We're, like, we're never probably going to drive a Falcon anymore, really, mm. um, in, in a professional sense. So it's a very sad end to a long, historic chapter in Australian manufacturing. And we thank Norm very much for the lend of his Sprint 8 for it's our recent podcasts. Thanks for the chat. So, yeah, any other further questions or comments or cars you'd like us to cover in the future, let us know. See you next time.